So welcome back, listeners. I'm Lee. And I'm Amaya. And you are listening to Fem South. Mother and child, come with me. Sisters young and old, now we see. Let's all come together. So today we are going to be talking to River Blue Lotus. River is a tantrika and a tantra sexologist, and we're very excited to have her on our show. We're working out some sound qualities on this episode, so bear with us. Here we go. So River, can you tell us a little bit about your training and the work that you do in the world, what you call yourself as a coach, a therapist? Tell us a little bit about your experience. Definitely. I am a tantrika first in my own personal practice in life. I am a meditation coach and a tantric relationship coach. I support couples in their journey through intimacy, and I focus on coaching rather than therapy to address the needs of couples that are striving to go deeper in their relationship. Can you explain to us what a tantrika is? A tantrika is an active practitioner in the tantric Vedas and uses the tantric practices in every facet of her life, in sexuality, in spirituality, and in the physical dance on the planet. I practice the Vedas. I study the tantric Vedas. Is it common for sex therapist to or sexologist? Is that what you called it, sexologist? Is it common for for them to be tantric? Is that sort of Not its own, or are you pretty <laughs> rare in your field? I am. It is more common to see sexologists in clinical settings, working with women that have had uterine cancer, cervical cancer, reconstructive surgeries, sex changes, transgenders, mm-hmm. sexologists is seen everywhere in the clinical fields and you don't really see it in the coaching you don't really see it in the spiritual practices you are well aware and well versed in a lot of the things that Naomi Wolf discusses in her book the connection between the vagina and the understanding of women's bodies but also the goddess array which is really sort of the center I think of her book but that's something that you already sort of grew up with that's I mean a part of who you are your whole being because you if you can speak a little bit about your experience growing up in a commune that is centered around the goddess okay I did grow up in a goddess-centered community and The basis of a goddess-centered community is honoring the divine feminine, not just in women or the lead of our community. It is the goddess within everyone. Everyone has a goddess energy, male and female, and it was just part of my everyday life. We followed moon cycles. We followed earth cycles and the rhythms that the planet has and the rhythms of the multiverse in all that we did. And it was just a routine and a part of growing up. 
And the goddess played a big part of my life when I hit puberty, when I had my first moon cycle and had that strong connection and through my first goddess ceremony and understanding that I am a goddess myself and I can now honor myself in that way. And I grew up learning rituals and how to take care of my body, how to honor my body and love my body and touch my body and grew up with self-pleasure and learning about self-pleasure and learning that that is part of honoring the goddess. I grew up with an understanding of taking care of my body as a temple because it is a goddess and also a container for a higher spiritual energy. And so I learned oiling practices, dancing practices, meditation practices, and a lot of those practices coincided with different um, rotations of the earth or rhythms of the earth. And as I grew older, those carried, those rituals carried on with me in my life outside of my community. And you're married now, and you and your husband practice the same? Yes. So I actually left that community when I was Mm -hmm. 14 and became a part of a different community and uh, with a focus on meditation and tantra. And that has a different aspect of the divine feminine, a Hindu-based practice and moved on from there and met my husband and we do practice a goddess household and practice the divine focus of the feminine so what is a goddess household <laughs> you've had some experience in in my house and yes i have been to your house <laughs> the woman is very honored in the goddess household and her cycles are honored her moods are cycle and Moods and cycles are honored in the house. And the woman's intuitions and feelings are honored. And decisions are greatly based on her connection with the divine. And the home is built around the more spiritual aspect of life and the more spiritual flow of life rather than the physical, material, more masculine aspects of living. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) It does have its ups and downs because you do go through the natural energy flow of a woman and of the goddess and really being comfortable with Kali, being really comfortable with the fiery energy of a goddess and of a woman and of the earth, of Pele, of goddesses that have that fire energy as well and riding through that in, in the household. Right, because it's really about these cycles Yes, for a woman. And so do you feel that you and your husband says that you, you, you seem to really honor those cycles? Your husband obviously sees that, honors it, understands it. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? I think for me, it feels as it should. That is the way life should be because I grew up that that is the way life should be and that is the way life is. The only contrast I see is, um, for example, in our community that my husband and I had in Hawaii, we experienced couples or individuals coming into the community unfamiliar with that flow and the struggle. And when they find their seat in a goddess-centered community, the relief they feel, the realization that all of these feelings and all Mm -hmm. of these flows are okay, 
and wow. So you can see there is a contrast and I find joy in seeing their relief and seeing how much easier it is to flow in a goddess lifestyle. I can only imagine. It's so different <laughs> from the get the experience of being told that you're just crazy or when you, you know, when you do express any sort of discontent in your daily life, that that's a negative thing. It's not seen as any kind of creative energy or anything like that. It's in my experience in a household that is not a goddess household. Um, but we don't even really use that language. What might seem as intuition or anything that's seemingly overly emotional can be reduced to just being on your on your period and that's just how women are during certain times of the month right i mean that's such a beautiful contrast to that experience which i think many women live with yeah Hmm. well we've been in how many millennia under patriarchy where it's very common to have a male type of being thinking acting in the world uh-huh. which isn't about emotional you know cycles it's not even about emotionality mm-hmm. right i mean this is a very logical left-brained let's get it done stay focused kind of culture right. take in. some pain meds if you've got some cramps and get on with your day absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely exactly A goddess community does rotate and flow around a woman's cycle, and the feminine cycle in the community is generally the same, and all the women share the same cycle. But a goddess household or goddess community is not only about the feminine moon cycle. It is also about the natural ebbs and flows that happen with Mother Nature and with the multiversal goddess. We have hurricane seasons, we have tsunamis, we have volcanoes, we have heat, and we have rain, and we have seasons. And flowing with those seasons and those multiversal cycles allows us to tap into that monthly cycle of that goddess Mm. also. Because we have our little microcosm of a goddess experience within our bodies as women. But we're able to tap into the greater goddess when we are in a goddess-centered community or goddess-centered household. And we as women tend to have an easier time connecting with that energy and leading that flow and being intuitive in that flow also. So if you were to describe um, the goddess array Mm -hmm. in sort of a bullet point list... Um, from your own experience and the reading of Vagina, what would it be exactly? I don't think I could create a bullet point list. There would, and if I did, it would have one bullet, and it would be presence. Just pure presence in not only the vagina, but in yourself and finding that goddess within yourself without searching. Just presence. Almost a presence with what is, mm-hmm. yes. right? A presence with, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whatever comes up, the cycles, right? That kind of presence. Interesting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A flow, that's actually a very common term in Hawaii, is just go with the flow. It's a very feminine aspect, is to just be so present that whatever happens in your life, you just ride with it. For example, you are meeting a friend for coffee at 3 o'clock, and it is set. 
three o'clock comes around and nobody shows up. You have the option of having all these emotions and feelings and judgments and moving off of those things that you're creating for yourself in your mind. Or you go with the flow and you ride with it and you just move on because that person met somebody that they hadn't seen in 10 years on their way to see you and rode with that flow. It's all in the flow. (laughs) So that's an example of something that happens a lot where we have the option of being goddess minded Mm -hmm. and in that moment, ride with the flow. I like that too. Seems like it's even deeper, you know, it's deeper than where Naomi's going. I think she's very much concerned with, on the surface, these sort of notions of how to, you know, treat a woman in order for her to be more comfortable in her sexual experience and in her sexual body. But in this sense, what you're saying seems to even go further, even deeper than just that. It seems to be even deeper. I mean, Naomi Wolf does resist calling it foreplay because that isn't enough of a word. But there is this idea that if men take time, I guess a part of what she lists as her goddess array, she does have a list. In other words, for her, it is a list of things. But those But that list is coming from a place where that hasn't been the case for so many women, where the foundation that you're speaking of is not even there. So if what comes out of that foundation of one that many women are used to, where women aren't being honored, right? Where we are anxious and fearful about what's going to happen in our relationships, we're anxious and fearful, right? So I think it's really interesting. I think what you're talking about is even deeper maybe than what Naomi Wolf is saying. It's sort of a more holistic lifestyle. I think maybe she's trying to get to that lifestyle, but she's still sort of breaking through just the sort of, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that maybe Naomi says it in three or four words, which I think she says something like gaze, mm-hmm. touch, mm-hmm. Um, appreciation. And maybe something else, safety and security, right? Mm -hmm. But all of those are basically presence, right? I mean, that's it, presence in that moment. And flow, too. I don't even know if she says flow. She doesn't exactly say flow, but she does say that women also need to be taken care of in their lives. And that was a a, a really part of the chapter where I really felt connected to that because, um, and I think that has to do with being respected and worshipped in in your relationship, in your household, because so many women probably don't feel that flow because they're not taken care of because there's so much on a woman's plate. Women are taking care of children, oftentimes doing a lot of the housework, you know, working, trying to have careers, trying to have friendships, all of these things. Things are very stressful. And if you're not being taken care of at home, if you come home and your home is stressful, if your home is putting all these responsibilities and stuff on you and nobody's taking care of you, you're not taking care of yourself, then all of that plays into sex and how you feel about yourself sexually. Right? It does. And hearing everything that you just said is something that I hear a lot in my practice. Yeah. Usually in the first session both from men and women, and that feeling of overwhelming pressure and not enough appreciation. And the word that keeps going over and over in my head is Tantra, 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 presence, presence. Mm -hmm. And her bullet points of the gazing and touching 
those are the very, very basic steps in tantric sex, in tantric connection, and tantric living. And being present in your gaze, not just with your partner and everything that you look at. And when you were making the comment about having somebody in your home treat you like a goddess, it always starts with you treating yourself like a goddess. And those in your home see that light coming out of you and see how you treat yourself and they want a part of it. They want a part of you. They want to do the same things to you. And then you can pass that on to them, for example. Yeah, that's beautiful too. So Naomi talks a lot about orgasm, but not just any orgasm. She does make a distinction between almost a transcendental, altered state of consciousness type of orgasm and just a regular orgasm. And of course, you know, she says that it's the transcendental orgasm that's the healing orgasm, right? And so this is interesting to me because she also goes into the dopamine release and how that's also very important for healing. So from your perspective and, and you know, your Tantra and your science-based sex therapy approach, what is it about orgasm? And what is this transcendental orgasm versus a regular orgasm? And why is the transcendental more healing? There are multiple types of orgasms, and I feel that all orgasms are healing when they need to be healing. The very physical base orgasm that we have is that one that we typically primally need. That's the I'm horny. That's the I can feel it, I physically need, and I want to come. That happens when you haven't had a partner in a while. That happens when you're stressed. That happens when you're sad. That's happen. That happens when you don't want to go deep into your own feelings and accept what's going on. You need a release. And that orgasm is amazing and awesome. And you are seeking that dopamine release. That's when we self-pleasure. That's when we fuck. That's when we just need to have sex. And it's an amazing orgasm. And it gets the job done. Unfortunately, that's most women's orgasms in the Western world. That's what we experience is that little three-second release that just feels good. And we can get ourselves there in a minute, two minutes sometimes. The transcendental orgasm is an orgasm that's mind-blowing, literally. It can take you into the most amazing levels of yourself and the multiverse. There's full body orgasms that are just between that physical base level orgasm and a transcendental orgasm where you shudder and you feel it in your whole body and you feel connected as just a being. That transcendental orgasm, that tantric orgasm is a connection to creation. That's how we are here. That is why we're here, is to have that play and have that connection. And when you have that orgasm, you're healing more than the physical. You're healing the soul. You're healing past trauma. Not all of our traumas are traumas that we can remember. And that can go into past life, or it can go into ancestral trauma. It can go into birth trauma. It can go into self-induced 
it's all different levels of trauma can be healed through the larger transcendental orgasm because you've left your body. You have now reached your soul or your connection to oneness or whatever term you've used, you've now reached that. You've left your body behind and you've let your soul know that now it's okay because you did get to that point of pure ecstasy. It's pure divine ecstasy. That's where ecstatic comes from, is that moment of letting go. And so through transcendental orgasms, you can heal anything. You can ask for anything in that moment. The transcendental orgasm or that type of spiritual leaving your body is completely letting go of a physical hold and truly experiencing all of your physical body and all of your spiritual body and just accepting everything. And that's leaving the body. That's leaving any holds and letting go. I guess that's a really great segue into the whole chapter about trauma. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, with your, with your clients, do you deal with women or even men, but I guess maybe mostly women that have sexual trauma? And, and if so, how do you help them heal in that sexual trauma? I do work with clients that have experienced sexual trauma. I work with clients who have also experienced many different varieties of trauma that makes itself known through the vagina or during sexual practices. So yes, yoni massage is a very healing technique and practice. It has been around for a very long time. It's actually an ancient tantric technique and Taoist technique. And the technique is not intended for healing. It is a technique to become present and aware and honor yourself. And it's been found that victims, trauma victims of all different kinds, find deep emotional release and healing through the practice of yoni massage. I do uh, practice yoni massages on people that are in need, but I mostly teach yoni massage to my clients' partners. Anybody can perform a yoni massage that has been trained in yoni massage. What is a yoni massage exactly? So yoni is a Sanskrit term referring to the feminine sex organs or the feminine pathway to enlightenment. And we see that in the vagina, in the vulva, clitoris. So the yoni represents that divine part of a woman. And a yoni massage is just that. It's the massaging of the entire vulva area. And so the vagina inside, the clitoris, the legs, and the mound of the vagina and vulva. The yoni massage is meant to be a container for presence and safety. When a yoni massage is being performed, the client understands that there is no pressure and no no end goal. There's no purpose except to truly be present in your body. And when a trauma victim is experiencing a yoni massage, it's really important to let them know that this is a safe space to just be. You're not here to have an orgasm. You're not here to experience certain feelings. And also that it's not a psychotherapy session. It's not time to go deeper into your emotions and go deeper into what happened to you. It's truly about honoring that part of your body that you've avoided. 
that you have either judged or had hurt and harmed by somebody else. And through Yoni Massage, the person giving and offering the massage um, starts on the outside of the vulva and then slowly moves into penetration with the finger and massaging the inside of the vagina. And during that process, the woman receiving the yoni massage is encouraged to experience whatever emotion comes up. Sometimes there's screaming, there's crying, there's complete bliss and pleasure and orgasm and letting them know that whatever feeling happens is perfect and amazing. And the person giving the massage will be aware of any um, different feelings that are happening inside the vagina. Sometimes there's knots or tangles or tightness and pain. Sometimes the person receiving the yoni massage feels intense pain and allowing that to happen. As the one offering it, you allow that container to feel that pain, let it happen, and move on. And through that, the person receiving the massage really is able to work through that trauma and release all that trauma that they've held within their body. And it is very different than a psychotherapy session. Very different because it's not about talking. It's not about reliving because they may not be reliving it. They're just honoring that part of their body and saying, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. And you're a part of me that deserves to be honored as well. Yeah, because we so rarely give attention to our vaginas in terms of healing. But... If we had a broken arm, we would tend to our broken arm. Exactly. We as women tend to only take care of what we can see in the mirror. Mm -hmm. We have so many skin creams. We do yoga. We do boot camp. We do all of these things for our body. We go on diets. We care about what men think. We look at magazines. There's not a magazine out there with a yoni on the cover saying how to love me, how to take care of me. There are magazines with people's faces on them and the skin, how to take care of me, how to love me, how to love my booty, how to love my breasts, how to make them bigger. Well, what about this other part of our body? Mm. You even see men that take care of their penis and how to make it larger and how to do all of these things. But we don't have that. Advertise we have for more of a cosmetic yoni, you know, <laughs> how to make our yoni more attractive to men, but not how to go into our own yonis and become more aware of them. You're saying what Naomi's saying is is relevant not just for women that have undergone trauma. Trauma through birthing is one thing, but I would even say that many women have never gotten in touch with their vaginas in the first place, and so as a result of that, the experiences that women have. This disconnect, this numbingness, this loss of vitality, this existential angst that we just can't quite put a finger on, this you know not being aware of ourselves in some way is also important. I mean, I'm speaking from my own personal experiences going through life for many years, not having this kind of information, not having this kind of vocabulary, not even this perspective about my own body. So... I really like it, and I haven't gone through any real sexual trauma. 
Wait, but it's interesting. Sorry. Well, but <laughs> sorry to totally cut you off. I don't look at childbirth as tra why? traumatic. Well, one of the reasons why it's not traumatic for me is because I had an epidural and I didn't have any tearing, and that's a whole nother <laughs> level of trauma. But it didn't feel traumatic in the sense that I had to do any real work down there. And I, I would argue that for me, I was numb before I got pregnant, emotionally numb to my, or desensitized or unaware before I even got pregnant. So for me, it's more pervasive than just going through childbirth. Absolutely. So we need to talk about trauma real quick. What indicates trauma? We'll, we'll ask the sexologist here. Yes. <laughs> so I've enjoyed hearing about all the, it's not really trauma because it's not sexual trauma or childbirth trauma or is it trauma? There is societal trauma and ancestral trauma that I can't say that all women experience it because it depends on your environment that you grew up in. A lot of women in mainland United States experience cultural trauma, environmental trauma, trauma ancestral trauma, and social trauma. A lot of women do not know anything about their yonis because they are told to avoid it or that your yoni is for someone else. That is traumatic to the soul. That is traumatic to your higher being. And that is traumatic to that part of your body. If you look at a child who is never fed, who is never played with, who is never talked to or told that you love or that somebody loves them, we call that trauma. We call that child abuse. If you, it makes me emotional, I always get emotional because I could never imagine growing up and not telling my Yoni she's beautiful and perfect and deserves pleasure and deserves to be touched and honored. And so many women that I encounter through my practice, and especially here now, do not believe that they deserve that. And that is trauma. That is abuse. That is neglect. And that is not honoring you and honoring such a sacred part of how we are all on this planet. And so there are many clients that I've had that say, well, I have never experienced trauma and I don't believe everyone is here to deal with trauma. But if you hear it in that perspective, you can realize that we all have trauma if we grew up in the traditional sense that people on mainland United States grow up. Sorry. That's okay. I almost cried too. That made me teary-eyed because that's immediately, as soon as you said that, I felt, yep, that's, that's, I, I was neglected in that area severely. And I was also taught to cover it up, protect it, <laughs> not talk about it, <laughs> make sure that nobody gets you pregnant, and, you know, that kind of thing. It was, there was definitely no honoring. Well, this is our history. Yeah, it's our history. Chastity belts. Mm -hmm. Ancestral. It's ancestral. It is a trauma that affects a huge percentage of our population. And I feel that it is the responsibility for all women to be aware of that and to open your eyes and see that the woman beside you is going through the same thing at home. It may manifest differently, but we're all looking in mirrors when we see each other. Absolutely. I think one of the things Naomi talks about the most in numbing us 
is is the porn industry. So yeah, I, I I'm really curious about your take on the porn industry. Do you require your clients when they go through a session with you or a series of sessions? Do you require them to stop looking at porn, and 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 if so, why? There are two aspects to that question, and so that would shape how I answer. I have many clients that come to me, and porn is a part of their life. And then I have some clients that come to me and porn is an addiction in their lives. And being a part of your life and an addiction to your life or an addiction in your life are two very different things. An addiction in your life would be an entirely different podcast. (laughs) There's a whole way of addressing addiction through therapy. Now, if it is a choice you make in your life and you don't know any different, I do request that pornography is removed from your life if you're going to continue on a tantric journey. And if your desire is to fulfill your spiritual needs through tantra, then porn needs to be removed from your life. And it isn't a prescribed method to remove porn from your life. I feel that through practicing tantra and through the meditations, it naturally disappears. The desire to look outside of your partner's eyes, and that's truly what it is. If you can have a sexual act without being present, then you're not ready for Tantra, and it's not going to be a successful journey for you. And that is something I bring up in the first few sessions with clients. Do you have a lot of resistance from clients? Are they all pretty open to making that change? I have 100% of the time resistance. Oh, you do? Because... (laughs) From both men and women or mostly from men or... Both men and women because... And these are the clients that come at, at it with a choice. This is their choice to watch porn. They don't know any different. And I think of anything we do in our life, if we get up every single morning and we make that cup of coffee, and that's just part of what we do, and somebody comes and tells us, well, no, you can't do that anymore. We become defensive. This is the way I live my life, and there's nothing wrong with it, and you know no different. And an expert comes in and tells you that's not the way to do things. It's difficult to handle. How are you going to live? What are you going to do? What if I fail? If you go through all of it, it all comes down to what if I fail? This is the only way I know how to do this. What if I can? So 100% of the time. That so how does it work then? I mean, do you do they uh, do they do it anyway? Do they let go of the porn anyway with the resistance? Do there is there some sort of I can still do this and still look at porn? Do they lie? I mean, what's the sort of? I think through the relationship that I build with my clients. I create a safe space to where they can let me know whatever is going on. And I generally don't have the lying. I do have them come in and say, oh, I watched it because I'm with a new partner and I'm a little afraid. I'm not going to be able to do this. There is a process in learning Tantra and there is a process of letting go of your fears. And that is a natural part of that spiritual practice. And it doesn't even have to do with just Tantra. In any spiritual practice that you choose to really find yourself, you go through letting go. You go through releasing any obstacles that you've created for yourself or that you feel the world has created for you. And through that process, they're able to release porn. 
and through me explaining what pornography does to the spirit, does to the soul, or does to whatever you want to call that part of you, majority of my clients let go of it after that session. When I go into the description of what pornography does to the relationship, it usually ends. Because people hear it. Right now, you see it all over the internet. It is in magazines. It's on the news. How pornography is bad. There's this scientific brain. There are all these facts about what it does to you. There's not a connection to the spirituality and what it does to your spirituality and your connection with your partner. Do you ever find that when you're talking with your colleagues, where maybe some of your colleagues are prescribing porn for their, for their patients or for their clients? And obviously for you, that would not be what you would prescribe. <laughs> there are a lot of therapists that use pornography with their clients. They use it as reference points and they do prescribe it as something to try that could bring excitement in the bedroom. There are therapists that discuss the negative impact of pornography in a relationship. I can't speak to why they follow that path. They do see something positive in it, and that's why they prescribe it, and they do see some success with their clients. And my opinion is that they see success in the physical relationship, and nobody is left wanting because those physical base needs are being met. My clients come to me for a stronger spiritual connection and reaching that spiritual connection through sex, through Tantra. The notion of sex positive, that is something that a lot of us in our circles talk about. We've been talking about it for about three years now, heavily, monthly. And sex positive came about not for pornography. It's being, it's being okay with who you are, being okay with being naked, being okay with being transgendered, being okay with being sexually promiscuous and removing that negativity to the word promiscuity and this Tinder movement. And it's okay for men to want to just fuck with re reckless abandon and it's not good for women. It's this taking back the word slut and saying there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like being sex positive is about trying to get back to that natural flow, that whatever our bodies want to do is okay, and whatever I want to do with myself is okay. And I feel that what happened in that movement is somebody that's into watching pornography said, well, it involves sex, so it's okay, because that's what I want to do with my body. I feel that being sex positive refers to yourself and your body and your image of sexuality. Pornography is taking advantage of sexual acts and putting it out there for other people to use and abuse in any way they wish. I have a very strong personal opinion about pornography, and I keep my strong personal opinion about it out of my practices and or my clinical practice. And then I have a very strong spiritual connection and knowing of what my spiritual practice believes in pornography. Which is? It takes away from your ability to connect mm -hmm. with the divine and to connect with the partner who is representing that union at that moment. 
when you are focusing on pornography for your inspiration to have sex, you are taking that away from your partner. What is their purpose? They are there to have that connection with you, that foreplay, that eye gazing, that connecting and that touching their skin and their body is very important. And when you watch pornography, you remove the need to touch a human body. A lot of the pornography that we see, it's a woman laying there not being honored and touched. Mm -hmm. There is conscious pornography. You can find that. But that's not your partner. And most men aren't seeking that, maybe. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but it seems that pornography for men is still pornography for men. Men and women watch the same pornography. <laughs> there, there is pornography out there for women. Yeah, I guess what I mean when whenever you think of conscious pornography, it's always oh yeah, there's there's pornography out there for women. You know, oh. and the implication is is that women might seek you know more conscious pornography, but men still are going to consume <laughs> the same old stuff. And so, I mean, that's not going to make any changes in the bedroom if men are still looking at the same. Well, pornography is pornography, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and from a tantric perspective, it's something external mm -hmm. to your present personal experience, which is connection to the other person, you know? And Naomi talks about this at length, um, making your partner feel safe. I mean, this is part of the goddess array, right? Safety and security. Well, if your partner is spending most of his time looking at other women having sex with men or even other naked women, the woman, the girlfriend, the wife is not going to feel safe and secure mm -hmm. and connected to her partner, regardless if the partner is even looking at her at that moment of intercourse, right? The container isn't there of safety and security. And so the woman is not going to be open to connecting. And then, of course, there's the whole watching pornography during sex. And that is obviously not presence, mm -hmm. which Tantra is all about, right? I mean, that is at the heart of Tantra is presence in this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to go back to your, your first statement there, which is really powerful. This idea that what I think the word I've used a lot of men say is that they can compartmentalize. They can, you know look at porn, they can look at women, they can look at all of these different types of sexual experiences and still come back and be present in the relationship. They fooled themselves to, to believe, they, they believe that. I think most men, at least that I've experienced when I've had discussions about porn with them, really believe that. Well, they might be present. They might be present in that moment. Right? Because I like what River says. There's something about watching porn, and there's something about being addicted to porn. Two different things. The thing that I think Naomi talks about, really, is that the woman's experience, knowing that her partner watches porn. Well, yes. Right. She so, yeah. yeah, so there's that, well, I'm feeling jealous, I'm feeling insecure, I'm feeling all of these things, and then the male's coming back to her and trying to, you know, say, oh, it's okay, I really love you, you're beautiful. And then the woman is always feeling in conflict with this. Well, why do I continue? Even though you've told me I'm beautiful, even though you've told me that you really love me and you have no interest in actually being with anyone else, I still feel 
jealous. I still feel insecure. I still feel like there's something wrong with me that I don't measure up to those women that you're looking at. And then we have to go through a process of just saying, well, I guess we're either going to believe him or we're just going to ignore it altogether and find strength within ourselves. But that conflict is happening all the time with, with relationships where one partner is looking at porn on a regular basis. That goes back to living a goddess-centered lifestyle. And I know that word can be triggering for some, but if you even take out the goddess-centered and make it a divine-centered or honoring yourself, having a life where you honor yourself first, then it's very natural to honor your partner and for your partner to want to honor you as well. So whoever the partner is that is watching pornography, if they take a step back and look at themselves and see if that's honoring who they are and are they really honoring everyone else, that could be an eye-opener for them. Mm -hmm. You said that moment where a woman is questioning herself and questioning her partner and the self-esteem is dropping. If she is continuously honoring herself and building herself up and taking care of her vagina and taking care of her being, it'll have less of an impact on her. And if her partner gets on that little wagon himself or herself, you'll see a shift that naturally happens. I think what happens a lot through therapy and through media and through conversations like this women get very heated and very emotional because they experience that themselves and then they go home and it's a conflict. Well, I hear this is happening and this is happening. I need you to stop. I need you to change. It's bad for your being. It's bad for our relationship. And there's a lot of negativity around it. Any negativity around anything sexual makes everybody shut down. Mm. So if you can go home and honor yourself first. Mm. It's about you. It is about your vagina. You have control of your vagina and your soul and your clitoris and your body and your choices. Pornography is a big deal. And the choices and the reasons people do it could go on forever. It all goes down to, in that moment, they're choosing not to be present. So it all comes down to having that goddess household, having that goddess lifestyle for yourself and being completely present in every decision you make, no matter what it is. And women have agency here. And this is what I like what you're saying. It's like, if we want things to change, then we start with ourselves, right? And we start with attention and care to ourselves. And if our partners don't change, we'll know what to do but it starts with us and I think some of us don't feel like we have the agency to do that because we've been traumatized for so long and disempowered and not connected to our our creative center our seat of personal power in fact so it's it's a tough one for a lot of women to climb out of that hole I think the biggest question that comes out of that for a lot of women is, 
Okay, now what? What do I do? Do I start playing with my pussy all the time? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Do I walk around outside naked and wave it all around and say, I've got a pussy and this is awesome? Because that's kind of like what Wolf did, you know? She ran out and said, oh, I have one and it's amazing and look at all the great things I can do and you have one too. Let's do it. Let's rise up and wave it everywhere and it's awesome and I'm so excited and I love it and I fell in love with that. I fell in love with it. That is part of what we do. But... We also have to do the taking care and getting out of that our vagina is just a physical thing. It is a, you said a seat of power. I feel like the vagina is a seat of power also. And I feel like it is a place of connection. It is a place to connect to the divine, to connect to our spirituality, whatever our spirituality may be. And it is a very important part of who we are. And when we take care of her and we talk to her and we love her and we do all the things that we know we're supposed to do because we all read those magazines and we look in the mirror and we say, oh, we're so beautiful. It doesn't matter what anybody says about me. Take a mirror and look at yourself like they did back in the 70s and 80s. Look at your vagina and tell her how beautiful she is. Rubber, lover, massager, bather, rubber and oils. Just take care of her and... I feel like everything just falls into place. It just does. It gives, it, it just happens. So if you were to give us, you know, one piece of advice to go home with, to connect with, start connecting with our yonis, what would it be? What do you tell your clients? To be present with every feeling that you have in your yoni. And I mean that in the physical feelings. And by starting that small, you're able to take the next steps further into really connecting with yourself. When you're having emotions and you're feeling really stressed and anxious, bring yourself all the way down into your yoni and breathe and feel what you can feel. Are you tight? Are you um, cramping? Are you in pain? Are you feeling disgusted? And it is really awakening. I feel a lot of power. And I feel like a lot of my decisions, my best decisions, come from really going down deep within myself. And I feel the deepest I can go is past my Dantian or my center. It's actually down into my yoni, into where creation begins. So I would say just really reflect all the way down, not into your, your lungs or your stomach or your feet. It's go into your yoni and just feel her. So that concludes our show today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like us, please subscribe to our podcast and give us some positive feedback. Follow us on Facebook at FemSouth. And for more information, check out our website, femsouth.com, where you can find the podcasts and our book reviews. Hope to see you there and keep listening. You're on Fem South.